cold and damp October day in South Bend, at least where I am. It is time to talk about some football. Tony, how is the weather down in IU? Not too bad. Nice little 65 degrees, clear, a little overcast. Not a bad day at all. Yeah, no, it was a very beautiful day yesterday, and there was a lot of beautiful football played, so let's get to it. But I guess first, let's start with the Saints-Cardinals game, because that was quite honestly one of the more wild games the rare game where a starting quarterback throws six touchdowns and his team still loses the game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was a it was a pretty tough outing for old Andy. Um, it could have been worse. It could have been better. It was it wasn't all that bad at the end of the day. Three sixty one yards, four touchdowns. Really, six touchdowns if you think about it. Two pick sixes in there. Those got to count somewhere, right? Three interceptions though, not great. But hey, four touchdowns in the day for your team. Thirty four points. That's not bad. That you should win that game. You really just got to clean up those pick sixes, man. Come on. Yeah, it feels like Andy Dalton was infected by Jameis Winston because Andy Dalton is now looking like he could join the 30-for-30 club if he was given 16 games as a starting quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. He showed he showed a lot of efficiency and then a lot of, a lot of <clears> bad, <throat> bad, bad, bad plays at the same time. It was, it was, it was the weirdest thing to me. No, I mean, when we were texting about the game, we even remarked, wow, Dalton looks like he might be better than Jameis. And then he literally, I think, like three plays later, proceeded to throw an interception. So <laughs> yep. I think I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think there is such a – I think he basically got as close to bad as you can be in that situation. Like, if you throw two pick sixes, that's 14 points automatically that the team really didn't have to do a ton of work for. You know, the the Saints would have won that game thirty four to twenty eight without those interceptions, and theoretically, you'd assume they get more points at a minimum. Yeah, I don't know. It's always been I've always kind of had uh, the take on pick sixes that I never blame a pick six on the quarterback. Uh, as I am huge, more than happy to blame the quarterback for a pick six. And I usually don't because really the only difference between a pick and a pick six most of the time. It just kind of comes down to luck more than anything, really. It's just like, is there a guy there to make the tackle? I mean, most of the time, the quarterback's not the one to stop the pick six from happening. It's usually some random receiver that happens to be near, nearby. So uh, on the one hand, yes, as the quarterback, you shouldn't be throwing the pick in the first place. But the difference between a pick and a pick six, I don't really peg that on the quarterback. So I mean, on the one hand, he should not be throwing three interceptions in a game. On the other hand, he did throw for 361 yards and four touchdowns. So yeah, but just a lot of good and a lot of bad. Okay, so to go to your first point that a pick six is never on the quarterback, what about Justin Herbert throwing a 99-yard pick six? I That kind of just comes down to, well, the offense isn't really tackling very well, which in fairness, the offense isn't supposed to really be tackling well. So. Yeah, but that was a that was a pick thrown on the goal line. Like, that's, you know, a setting up for fail. I feel like everyone has done that in Madden at some point, or maybe I'm just that bad that I've done it in Madden. Like, that's a situation where you know that you can't throw a pick there because it'll absolutely go the entire other way. Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's just going to happen. It's not like you suddenly get into the red zone. You Maybe you get down the one. And you're suddenly going to be like, all right, well, I'm never going to throw a pick here. Like, it's going to happen. Yes, it might, it may have been a bad pick. But there's also times where quarterbacks, we see it all the time, where there's a quarterback on the one-yard line, they take a snap, their first, second read's not there, and they have to throw in a ball that's squeezed into a real tight window. He tried to squeeze it in a tight window, and, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And yeah, but, it, I, but I mean, the, I'm putting the blame on him there. It, I blame him for throwing the pick. I don't really blame it. Like the pick six, that's just the difference between oh, there's not a receiver there to tackle him. Like that, that's really the only difference. I don't, I don't blame that on the quarterback for the pick six. I blame him for the pick, but the rest of it just kind of comes down to luck. Uh, you can, really. you can have some pretty awful pick sixes that are pretty much only on the quarterback, in my opinion. But that is a game from I believe week two or three, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, how about the Cardinals side? I, I thought Kyler Murray had a pretty solid performance. I didn't. Like, I didn't love it. I did not have the Cardinals winning this one. I trusted the Saints foolishly, evidently. Uh, and, you know, I also thought Jameis Winston was going to start. So that might be, that probably would have gone into the calculus a little bit. Um, but what do you, what does this do for the Cardinals? Because they were, they came into this two and four. Now they're three and four. That was their first home win, I believe, since last season. Uh, you know, they hadn't won at home since I think the Packers beat them. So the week prior to the, the Packers ending their seven and oh run. You know, does this win save the Cardinal seasons, or does it just delay the inevitable? 
honestly, I think it kind of just delays the inevitable. They're three and four, so when you start your when you start your first seven games off and you're not above that five hundred mark, you're not dead in the water. Like it's not like oh yeah, we definitely missed the postseason. We lost four games out of the first seven. Not at all, but it's not a good sign. I don't think that the Cardinals are suddenly going to turn around and have some sort of great season. I mean, they did get D-Hop back, and obviously he showed out in his first game back. Absolutely did. He was really the cornerstone of that offense because, yeah, sure, Kyler did look pretty good. He also, DeAndre Hopkins, was responsible for over half of the yards that Kyler Murray threw for. So that is there is something to be said for that. So maybe the offense does get significantly better with D-Hop back, but I don't think this necessarily turns the team around. Maybe they get an extra win or two that they wouldn't have otherwise, but... Uh, I don't really see them going terribly far with it. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. Five thirty eight had the Cardinals as a seven and ten team, and they are now an eight and nine team. So, like, quite literally, like you said, like the the win snags them, you know, a game, but they will finish the season five hundred. Sounds about right. Although I I do have to pat myself on the back in my fantasy league, which uh, is not a very deep league by any means. Uh, D Hop just sitting there. No one drafted him because he was suspended, and so I was like, you know what? If he's still on waivers uh, come week seven, I don't care if he's used PEDs. I'm going to take him. Sure enough, sitting there on the waiver wire, and he may just win me this week's fantasy game. Hey, that would be absolutely clutch. Great pickup. Yeah, to think I'm a little bit of a, a thrifty shopper. Like, I am, I'm always looking for value. There you go. And speaking of value, good Lord, Tony. I, you know what game I'm going to, I think. Oh, I think I do. Yeah, so if you bet on the Carolina Panthers, dear God, did you get value this weekend as they were massive, like truly massive underdogs. They were a 13-point underdog. If you took them to win on the money line, like just had them beating the spread, like kudos to you. You saw something I did not because P.J. Walker showed up and showed out. I called you insane. Tom is our resident Panthers fan. He himself would have told you 100 out of 100 times to never bet on the Panthers for this. But sure enough, they absolutely showed out. Tom Brady, he just has not been looking particularly good. The defense hasn't been looking good. The O-line hasn't been looking very good. Mike Evans dropped that very, very clear touchdown pass. 75 yards. Like this whole 75 team yards. seems like they're they're on their they're on their heels at least, is what we can definitely say. They just look like they're not quite locked in. They're a step off of everything, and it's not just one or two people. It's really the whole team just looks wrong. No, I, and the crazy thing is, too, I know that the, technically this was a home game for the Panthers, and they're now 2-3 and three at home, but if you look at replays from that game, the it looks like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers home game, to be honest. Like, it is absolutely just a completely redded-out arena. Even You know, you can see Panther blue, but it looks to be more red than anything, and the Panthers rolled the Buccaneers like it was just any other Sunday. Like I, I truly was flabbergasted. I mean, the the pass to Tommy Tremble where he just beats coverage, he beats the linebackers, nobody picks him up, he beats a corner to go into the end zone. The the run by Foreman, just I was genuinely flat. Yeah, like absolutely. I, I there was genuinely flabbergasted. A areas of the game where the Panthers dominated, and I think it really kind of turned the tide for these for this game. If you look at rushing yards, Panthers had 173 rushing yards. The Bucks only had 46. Uh, Panthers were going at 6.9 yards per play. Bucks only had 4.9. So it was one of those things where the the Bucks were able to kind of get yards, dink and dunk down the field as as Brady loved to do back in uh, New England. He did have 290 passing yards. So the yards were there. They just were not able to finish these drives. And one stat that I actually was really impressed with on the Panthers' end is they only allowed one sack. And I think that really kind of uh, help them score all of these points really is they just were able to keep PJ Walker up and standing and were giving him the time to get these balls out, which is something that I think neither of us were really expecting against this Buccaneers defense. No, the way PJ Walker played has genuinely made me wonder I, that's why a great question at this point. I would have never guessed. I mean, I I'm being, I'm being, I'm being facetious there. I know why we traded for Baker Mayfield, but this was just genuinely a shocking performance when both QBR and passer rating, PJ, PJ Walker, Philip Walker, outdoes Tom Brady. This is, this is certainly like I just, one I of got the craziest years I really quarterback do. play that I can remember in a long time. All of the, the ones that should be great, except for I really Allen and Mahomes are the only two, except for those guys. 
everybody else has been really unexpectedly bad, and then you got the weird random guys like P.J. Walker and Geno that have been unexpectedly good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's football being football, I guess, is really the only way I can explain it. And it's not like Carolina dominated the turnover battle. In fact, like they had no interceptions. Tampa Bay had no interceptions. I believe there was a fumble that was recovered on the Buccaneers' side. So it wasn't like this is a lopsided game. I mean, the you know, the possession was split nearly 50-50. The turnover battle was dead even. And just the Panthers just straight up won. Like, that that's the most flabbergasting part. There's not an easily explainable reason other than the Buccaneers are bad. And I had the, I had the Buccaneers being a dark horse to make the NFC Championship game. Not, not even a dark horse. I should say dark horse to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and a it was favorite a very to make the NFC game. Championship uh, It was game. just kind of, it was clean football, honestly, all around. Like, just like you said, there weren't very many turnovers. The only part that I do think uh, was a little sloppy on both teams' end was the third down efficiency. The Buccaneers are 2 of 12, and the Panthers were, albeit better, only 4 of 12. That's definitely something that, yet again, it just really shows how much the Bucks have fallen off. They really just can't do anything all that well. To be honest, 4 of 12 is probably like well, a, it's all a relative, pretty isn't good it? Yeah, percentage I guess you're right. for the Panthers. So... Yeah, so for us, that might actually... You know, the honestly, the craziest thing really is that we traded away McCaffrey, and I don't know if the the media cycle revolving around the Panthers for the first time in, like, a year, basically, between the rule firing and then the trade, like, was basically just activating a beehive in the Panthers, but this game was played, like, I mean, if you just are physically outrushed by the margin that the Panthers were, I mean, that the Buccaneers were, like, you just got manhandled, and so I do think that this was the Panthers being a little angry and playing, hey, like, was, hey, we're not done yet. on the Panthers for getting one. Yeah, no, I mean, and it does make me have to publicly take an L on Matt Rule, which I was loath to do, but well, I'm here the proud to admit that it. I'm taking the L. Yeah. Well, and, you know, speaking of taking L's, the Lions, they, they took a lot of L's. <laughs> the, the Cowboys actually forced five turnovers in the second half to just dominate the Lions. And I know you were scared, Tony, because Dak Prescott was back for the first time since being injured way back in week one. But the Cowboys yeah, did, did what they needed to do to win. At first, it was looking a little bit, uh, a little sketchy. The first couple quarters, the Lions were actually winning up until halftime, and then the Dallas Dallas just kind of turned it up. Like you said, they got all those turnovers, mm. and the Lions ended up doing what the Lions do, and they choked away the game. But I mean, good on them for even being up at halftime, right? Like this is not a game that we expected the Lions to really ever have a lead past like what the first drive if they got lucky. I I wasn't expecting the Lions to really do a whole lot, but. Going into halftime, man, I thought they might have had this game. Of course, they just had to do what they do in that Cowboys defense, man. They are legit. Yeah, no, I mean, the offense was very much asleep uh, in the first half on the Cowboys side. I mean, that was a game that saw three field goals in the first half. And then, of course, Ezekiel Elliott went off. I believe he had 60 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Like, I think we may find out that the Cooper Rush streak of playing five games may quite honestly be yeah, what well fixed might. the Cowboys. Uh, this is something that Tom and Tom and you know, old 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 friend of the show Campbell and I have talked about quite extensively on this whole Cooper Rush Dak Prescott thing. And I think the conclusion that we've come to is Cooper Rush was so good on this team because they the team just played differently. Mike coached differently. And uh honestly we've 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 Absolutely. all kind of said that if we we think that if Mike McCarthy can coach the game with Dak Prescott in as a starting quarterback, like Dak was Cooper, then this team would be amazing. It's just they expect too much out of Dak when he goes in there. If they could just keep it simple, this team would be awesome. And that's not exactly what they did this game. They did better at it than they have before, so it was kind of like a happy medium. But, I mean, they got the win. They have a little bit of time to figure it out. I think Dak did well enough, you know, 24-6, well enough, that's a win, you know, that's all you, that's all you really need, but I think going forward, Dak could be better if they just coached him a little differently. No, I, I'm absolutely, like, here's the thing, I know people were advocating, hey, Cooper Rush is winning, people want to play with a winner, and... They want to, you know, if the, t- don't don't mess with a hot hand, right, was kind of the mentality. And I I disagree. Like, if you pay that much for a quarterback, the politics are simply not allowing you to play anyone but that quarterback. You know, you could, you know, bar it being like the second coming of Patrick Mahomes, you cannot 
you could not sub out Dak with how much money he's being paid. Uh, but to your point, Tony, last year, Dak made nearly 40 attempts per game. Like, per game. That is an obscene landmark to me. This year, uh, Cooper Rush made 26 attempts per game, and Dak has made 27 attempts per game in his two starts. That, to me, tells me that this Dallas Cowboys team has figured something out. It's, hey, we've got the line, we've got the backs, we've got the defense, let us run the ball, keep this low scoring, control the game, control the clock, and if we need Dak to do something, let's let him do something. But I do think that this makes Absolutely. Dak I do think a that little it works bit, a little bit better for this team. One thing that I do want to see the Cowboys really do, and they have started doing it, and I respect that they're starting it. Tony Pollard had 12 carries for 83 yards. That's a 6.9 yard per rush average. Ezekiel Elliott had 15 carries. He's got three more than Pollard for 57 yards. That's only a 3.8 yards per rush average. He did have two touchdowns, but man, Tony Pollard's the RB1 in this team. We've been saying it for at least a year now. He's got to be the one that gets most of the carries. Every time he gets anywhere even close, he's always more efficient. I don't know why they haven't switched over to him completely yet. I'm okay with what they're doing right now where if like I think you want to split it as much as possible but lean towards Pollard but then have Zeke be in the guy yeah, that I agree but I I don't zone. think that Ezekiel I don't think that he, Zeke needs to have 15 carries when Pollard has 12. I think if Zeke has 15 carries Pollard should have 20. Like he Pollard should be constantly out carrying Zeke because he's proven that he's more efficient with it. Now yes, Zeke is obviously the bigger back. He's kind of your fullback hybrid that you want at the goal line if you're anywhere within two yards of the end zone, or maybe it's a third and one. Yeah, absolutely give it to him. He can probably punch it through. But if you're just running the ball to run the ball and see if you can get you know a random 10 yards on a first down, Pollard has to be your guy there. No, I, I do agree with you. I do think Pollard is the more efficient option. Now, you know, we'll we'll see down the road if that changes, but I, I like what they're doing right now. The fact that the, the two of them are combining for yep. what was it, fifteen and twelve, nearly thirty carries. Like that's the that's the formula. Split the carries between your two backs and let yep. the quarterback hey, just do enough to not lose you the game. No, it absolutely is, and it's important to tell that to the commanders because wins may be kind of hard for them to come by. Uh you know, they this was a game that another one I was genuinely surprised by, but Tony, I guess you're probably yeah, not because really you're beloved Packers. I'm really not expecting much out of this team. The, every time that the Packers lose, it seems like this season, all of the media loves to come out and say that, you know, insert X team gets astonishing win over Packers. And I, I don't understand the headline because we're not a good team. We're, we're actually quite bad. I don't understand why it's so astonishing that we're losing. We're definitely not going to be uh, this 13-3 and three, uh, team or 13-4 and four team, I guess, which I guess we could be. We only have four losses. If we could just run the table now, it's not outside of the question, but this team's not going to do it. We need receivers, like, desperately. We have the second most drops in the NFL, I think, uh, up until this point so far. And there's just been no chemistry. There's Nobody's on the same page. The O-line is falling apart. Bakhtiari is still sucking money out of us, doing nothing. Our defense has been playing surprisingly well. I do like, I'll give them credit. I do think that they need to be schemed better. Jair finally got his opportunity to kind of go one-on-one with the wide receiver one, uh, uh, Terry McLaurin, last game uh, with the commanders. He finally got the opportunity to do that. Before, it's been a lot of zone schemes, which haven't worked, so... I do think that there are some things that need to be tweaked on the defense, but I like where they are generally. The offense, though, man, falling apart. If we're only running it 12 times between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, we're not doing it right. No, absolutely. you got to run it. you got to run it more if you're the Packers because you can't trust the wide receiver core at all. And another thing that I didn't realize until I went through and was preparing for the show is that uh, seven of the Packers' points came off of a pick six. Like, the Packers' offense only sp- scored 14 points and was outdone by Taylor Heineke. Like, if that isn't red flag number one, that this team is not right, not healthy, and will probably not make yeah, the playoffs absolutely. at this rate, I don't know what there, it is. If it wasn't for uh, a, a valid penalty, I'm not going to say that there was a bad call. It was a good call. It was a very stupid move on the def- defense part. I forget which defender it was. If it wasn't for that penalty... We also had a scoop and score. The defense almost scored 14 points on their own. Um, so, I mean, that just kind of goes to show that the defense is there. They're getting opportunities to get picks, get sacks. Like, we have good players on that side. The offense, man, they just can't get it together. And I really think that this is 
this looks really bad for LaFleur. On Packers Twitter, there's a lot of people calling for LaFleur to be fired as the head coach. A lot of people are saying that his success has really come from that relationship of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and how they were kind of able to good and they were good enough to kind of bail out the Packers when when need be. And now that Devontae is not here and Rodgers doesn't really have a clear wide receiver one to go to all the time uh, to really trust, LaFleur has really just looked bad. He has not outcoached any opponent yet, and it's really showing. I would say he was outcoached by Ron Rivera, which is a yeah, sentence I did I not think I'd say it, coming it, it into the season. It was just bad, and I don't foresee it getting better. We we need to be in the free agent market somewhere for a wide receiver. It has to happen. If it's not... No, you, you guys need to pick up Brandon Cooks or Chase Claypool or make a run at the Panthers and DJ Moore. Like... ASAP, pick up somebody. The fact that Robbie and the Packers weren't on the phone with Robbie Anderson the instant Absolutely. Matt Rule was it's fired been an ongoing problem. is a problem. Rodgers can't get good receivers. Right now our wide receiver one is the ghost of Sammy Watkins, and Alan Lazard's not far behind, so it's just not a good look. Yeah, no, it's a it's a problem. And the Packers, according to 538, they started the year off with a 9% chance of winning the Super Bowl Today, that number has fallen I'm honestly to surprised it's that high. <laughs> yeah, no, that feels pretty generous. For context, the Panthers are that at point is, one, hey, so that's also incredibly high. <laughs> yeah, I know, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> All right, you know, and the thing that drives me crazy about the Packers is I picked up Lazar thinking that he was going to have a great year because he could be arguably wide receiver one or two. I felt kind of decent in that take, like maybe he'll have a breakout year, but no, he's not. And instead, I keep benching Travis Etienne, and who had an absolutely stellar performance in the shortcoming loss of the Jags-Giants game. He had 14 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. And Jacksonville, I know they're two and five. I know they're two and five, Tony. I know you're going to jump on me for this. I think Jacksonville has actually, actually played better than that. their record. I'm not going to jump on you for that. I do think that uh, we have seen a significant step up in that team as a whole. And Travis Etienne has outperformed my expectations greatly so far this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look, if you go in and look at the record for the Jags, they lost by six to the Commanders. That feels like a very 50-50 game. They beat the Colts the first time. They beat the Chargers in an absolutely shocking game. They lost to the Eagles in a close one, which feels crazy. They uh, they lost to the Texans in a weird 13-6 to super fluke. Then they lost to the Colts when Matt Ryan had his best and last good game of the season. And then they lost, of course, this one, this close one to the Giants. Like, there is an alternate universe yeah, where the absolutely. Jacksonville Jaguars they, they are 5-2. and They have the potential to be a pretty decent team overall. I think their defense has stepped up pretty well. Trevor Lawrence already does look so better. I don't... You don't want I to admit it, but I think you have to. Good. I just think he looks way better than he did last year, which, hey, you know, you got another, you got a year of experience in the league. There's a lot of great quarterbacks that had a bad first year. I still don't believe in him. I don't think he's going to be some kind of elite talent. I do still think he is definitely classifiable as a bust, given how much hype was around him at this point in his career, but he has taken a significant step up. Yeah, I mean, he's ranked right now by, by Zelo, the model that I've built and used for this show, as a, a pure passer rating of 153. That is an incredibly strong rating. Like, that's Jimmy G level, which maybe isn't great, but for a second-year player is very strong. And I believe he's valued as a... Uh, let me let me double-check this. I believe he's... Yeah, he's valued as a 160 player overall, which, to me... Feels very good for a yeah, third-year player it, on a team that is two and five. I still think, given how much hype was around him, he should be better than where he's at. But this is a lot of progress, and I do have to give him that. I mean, I, I yeah, I'm willing to say that just because of how I think it's unfair of us to judge him because he had Urban Meyer as his coach, and we know I, how much of a hot mess express that was. There were certain. There was a lot of bad scheming for that for that year with Urban Meyer as a terrible coach, all that stuff. Sure, that is valid. On the other hand, I I mean we both saw a lot of things last year where even if the right play was called, if even if it was an easy check down or a nice little slant route, he'd miss the throw a lot of the time. His completion percentage last year, 
uh, at the end of the year actually was a 59.6%, and it's not like they were taking a lot of big shots downfield. So I, I did see him missing a lot of fairly easy throws that an NFL quarterback of really any caliber should make. That's a lot of the reason why I was not believing in him. This year, he seemed to clean a lot of that up, and the scheming is way better. So improvement, yes, but he's not quite there where he should be yet. We'll see how he goes. Yeah, my rule of thumb is that you need three years with some of these quarterbacks, and so I feel fairly comfortable that if you if he continues to progress this way, he may not be, uh, you know, the the generational talent that he was projected to be, but well, he certainly hey, is moving in a direction that is encouraging. He was hyped up to be. Then, as far as I'm concerned, that is a bust. Yes, a bust of yeah, degrees. Yeah, a bust fair. of degrees. A bust of degrees. Uh, and how about the Giants? I feel bad. They're they're six and one. And we just spent the entire segment talking about the Jaguars. I think Daniel Jones, quite arguably, is now looking like a good quarterback too. Also, yeah, sentence I didn't Daniel think Jones, I'd see this really year. Kind of did it on both sides, or on, I shouldn't say both sides of the ball. In both, yeah, in both facets of the quarterback, he threw both for facets, 202 yeah. yards, but he rushed for 107 on 11 carries and a touchdown. He really put in the work on the ground, and he was pretty decent through the air as well. The team, the Giants just look like a good team. Like, there's no way around it. They just look they just look really good. So I don't Dayball. understand it. I'm not going to pretend like I do, but they look good, and I'll take it. Yeah, right now, Zelo has Jones as a 72 passer, which is kind of average. I'd say a little below average. But he has a 76-point rusher, which is the second-highest offensive value on the on the Giants, uh, well, besides Saquon I Barkley. See, I didn't think that, you know, after the Daniel Jones meme of him tripping on himself, running down the open field, from was that two years ago now? I didn't think that we would see the Daniel Jones rushing for over 100 yeah, yards in so. a game that we saw, we saw yesterday. But uh, congratulations to Giants fans. It's been a long time coming that you're actually half decent. Yeah, no, I mean, they're. Yeah. I would say Even they're a, a tad better than half decent. I don't expected to be good, so congratulations on your surprise, surprise decency. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Most Giants fans would have sold this season, and like, yeah, if you absolutely. told them they'd be six he- and one, they would have laughed at you. <laughs> My personal opinion, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, let's move over to a game that. I think I feel kind of confident in the our assessment of this team so far. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the Atlanta Falcons 35 to 17, and while a 35-17 schlacking of the Falcons might feel meh, it's the Falcons. Joe Burrow in my fantasy league at least had nearly 60 points. He had 34 of 42 passing for 481 yards and three touchdowns. He made it look like it was the yeah, college absolutely. football playoffs. Very, very fun to watch, and this was kind of the Bengals team that a lot of people expected. Um, like you said, I do think that we kind of – we I feel like we have a pretty good handle on this team. They're 4-3, and three, and what did we say going into the season? They're still going to be a good team, but they're not going to be anywhere near what they looked like before. Yeah, closer to 500. So be I closer think so to far, 500. we hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, they looked – they finally looked like that, – that Joe Burrow finally looked like the quarterback that we all thought he was last year. It took him quite a few games to get there, but he finally looked like that kind of uh, the omnipotent mm-hmm. quarterback on the field. That's kind of what a lot of people thought of him as last year. He just seemed like he couldn't miss. Him and Jamar Chase were elite together, and they really finally brought that back yesterday. And I got to say, I kind of missed it because it was really fun to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, you've got a 41-yard pass from Burrow to to Chase a 32-yard pass, both for touchdowns. Like, they absolutely just look fantastic on the field together. And you're right, like, it did feel kind of like the the playoff run where Chase was really just kind of unstoppable. Uh, interesting note, the Cincinnati Bengals only out-possessed the Falcons by three minutes, but yeah, doubled I mean, their first down. Yeah, hyper-efficient. Uh, Jamar Chase was obviously, that. that's the player that everybody thinks of when they think of Bengals receivers, but let's not forget about Tyler Boyd. I mean, he he had more yards on the same amount of receptions as Jamar Chase, and he just kept tearing up the secondary. It was like every time he got the ball, it was down the field, big play, big moment. He just he kept showing up, and I think he does deserve to keep getting mm-hmm. these you know wide receiver one level targets because he keeps putting up numbers. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And on on the other side of the ball, I mean, on the yeah, on, on the other side of the ball, Demir Bird, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, was their leading receiver. Ooh, and do you know why he was? He their only leading had one receiver, reception Tony? for a big touchdown. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. The next closest was thirty-one yards. Like that's. That's all you need to know. You can you can essentially walk away from this game understanding. Okay, the Falcons really should have had ten points, and their Absolutely. offense I mean, is Marcus Mariota only disaster. had thirteen pass attempts, thirteen in a whole game. That's usually his stat line was eight of yeah. thirteen for one hundred and twenty four yards and a touchdown. That's like a, a a mediocre quarterback's halftime stat line. He was really they just didn't trust him to throw it. Yeah the. Uh, no, the Falcons, the Falcons, I think, are very similar to the Bears in that they don't want their quarterback to be slinging it around the field. And so, especially when you're the Falcons and the, I believe the Bengals scored in the first two minutes of the game, you're just like, oh, okay, so, yeah, that's fine. We, they scored two minutes in the game. We're just going to run the ball a ton of times yeah, and not use our passing game. Like, I, I know, I know the Falcons are tanking, but that one feels like, okay, we're 3-3. Three and three. We need yeah, to start intentionally throwing games. It was not very good to see on the Falcons' front. The fact that they got 17 points at all was honestly kind of impressive, given they only threw 13 times. Um, no, it should be 10. It, sh- it really should be 10. Because if you think about it, that, what, 124 yards? Take 75 yeah, off true. of that. That's what it really should be. Yeah, you have a 75 like, That's miserable. That's miserable. Pass, only have 124 total yards. That's... That is a monstrous problem if you are an NFL quarterback. If you told me there was a 75-yard yep. passing touchdown, I would have assumed it was Burrow because he has 481. Like, that would explain the outlier, but no, Burrow's just they that really good. Are. And the Falcons are just <laughs> that terrible. Consistency is key here, and they are consistently bad. Yeah, and speaking of consistently bad... He's so bad he got benched. Tony gets a victory in the hot takes column as the Colts benched Matt Ryan because of a one-touchdown, two-interception performance in a close loss to the divisional foes, the Titans. The Titans have now swept the Colts for two consecutive seasons. And let's be honest, they look like they, there's no reason they yeah, can't just well, absolutely Titans, run away with this division. They just look like a better team, just kind of all around. And Matt Ryan, honestly... He did, he didn't do he didn't do the Colts any favors uh, as predicted. He was just not good. Jonathan Taylor only had ten carries. He was averaging five point eight yards per carry, which you know that's 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 pretty darn good. So fifty eight yards there, but he should have carried it more. Matt Ryan should not be throwing the ball forty four times. That just shouldn't be happening at his age. Well, I mean, I, I it, you're it's you're down thirteen at halftime. Like I think you're. The well, assumption is you've yes, got to throw yourself back into time, it. Okay, let's just say we're down 13 at halftime. What's the thing that we've been doing so far? We've been having Matt Ryan throw a lot and Jonathan Taylor not run a lot. What should we do when we're down 13 and that's what we've been doing? Let's just keep doing that. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. I know you're starting to lose time, but coming at a half, you still have a lot of time. You have half the game left. So they should have just given it to Jonathan Taylor more just to see what he could have done. Matt Ryan clearly wasn't getting the job done, and, he clearly didn't get it done. With the with the context now that Matt Ryan is is being benched, I think it makes a little bit more sense why they're basically like, win us the game yeah, or, or they, we're done, we're going to move on. Something that we've talked about a ton of times, I shouldn't have done this to begin with, but I I just don't know what they're going to do. They're, they're putting in Sam Ellinger, and... Uh, that's definitely going to be interesting to see how this goes because I know. And yeah, it absolutely. That's a desperation move. Sure I've ever heard one too. This guy than I do. I've heard of him um, just walking around Lucas Oil, um, but I don't. I don't know anything about the guy. So it goes to show that he must not be that great if I haven't heard about him. So we'll. I know he. Ha- I know he has a zero score from seasons prior. I think. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, I believe it I mean, was negative. At this point, so. your alternative is Matt Ryan, and he hasn't worked. So if you're gonna if you're gonna jump ship, you might as well do it with the with the backup and see what he does. I mean, if there's gonna be a year, it's gonna be this year, right? I mean the the. Yeah, I think the crazy thing with with Ryan is that he had a 115 zero passing score. Which is is fine. It's okay. It's definitely by no means fantastic. He has minus yeah, seventy six because of all the fumbles. He's fumbled as a as a rusher. So he he ground he grades he out to be forty, which is worse than DJ Walker. Historic rate. It's just been unbelievable the things that he has done. 
um, in terms of ball security or rather lack thereof. His his normal just kind of stats, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions, 84.7 passer rating. Like He's just not very good. I do want to say, like, you know, looking at some of these turnovers, there's one that just, it doesn't feel particularly all Matt Ryan's fault. I do think interceptions by the very nature are sometimes, are a good deal of the faults of the the quarterback. But there is the the one I'm looking at right now, I believe it was the first quarter, uh, the first half interception, is just the, the Colts wide receiver literally doesn't look back and Matt Ryan underthrows it just a hair yeah, and is picked I, off for a touchdown. I mean, there's gonna that happens with everybody. There are certain ones that you can kind of throw up to. Yeah, that's not maybe your fault completely. And I agree that he has maybe had one or two that haven't quite been his fault. But that's just what happens when you're adjusting to a new team. Like we kind of did say coming into the season, we would give him a little bit of credit just because he's been with the Falcons his entire career. So learning an entirely new system after being with one team for so long, that's got to be kind of tough. So. I do give him credit for that, uh, but at the same time, he just hasn't looked good. He just just hasn't. No, he hasn't. No, I think the interesting thing is, and you know, maybe maybe you'll disagree with me. If the Colts are three are four and three as opposed to three three and one five hundred, is Matt Ryan still the starting quarterback? Had they beat the no. Texans in Week One, no, is I'm, Matt Ryan still starting? I don't personally think so. Just because at the end so? of the day. He's still his stats are still his stats. Even if the team's four and three versus three, three and one, he himself has not been playing well. Uh, at this point, with a guy that's doing this, you've given him. I mean, you're seven games into the season now, starting to kind of settle in. He's looking no different. It's not like he's looking like he's getting better. Why not throw Sam Ellinger in there? I mean, if there's going to be a season where some random quarterback goes off. We already have Geno Smith. We have P.J. Walker. Why not give this guy a chance? Yeah, but I don't think Matt. But what hap- What happens when Ellinger looks terrible? You- Nick Foles is injured, and you have to go to Matt Ryan, and now Ryan's confidence is gone too. And I just I think not that you want to punt on a season, but if you have Ryan, it's almost we'll like see. you might as maybe well go the, down. Maybe swinging. the kid pops off. Who knows? I, I honestly, I was surprised it was not Nick Foles, and then I, I believe he's injured, so that one makes a little bit more sense, but I figured they would have waited for Nick yeah, Foles I guess not. to come back from injury at least before making the move. Yeah, no, I guess not indeed. All right, let's go to Browns-Ravens, a game that, you know, like like most games is this weekend, feels kind of like an odd one. <laughs> like, that's that's all I've got. Um, the Browns went up 10-3 to three in the first quarter before falling behind by three by three only to make a uh, a late push to win the game excuse me but the the Ravens were ultimately able to come out on top at home they're now four and uh four and three on the season and two and two at home so they're 500 at home which is definitely interesting uh the fact that they had I believe would you know have a better road record than home record but that's a fact that we can talk about it another day. Jacoby Brissett had a pretty solid game speaking of random quarterbacks who seem to have popped off for absolutely no reason whatsoever Jacoby Brissett. Um, what do you make of this, Tony? Because it feels weird that the the Browns are this good, well, yet honestly, they're two and five. I don't think the Browns are that good, to be totally honest with you. Like, do I think that they're better than their record? Yes. Does that mean three and four as opposed to two and five? Also, yes. Like, I think that they're a little bit better than the record shows. I just don't think they're still going to be that good. I, I think the Ravens, like, we both picked the Ravens to win this game. They did win by a narrower margin than I thought, which, honestly, I don't think they won by a narrower margin because the Browns were good. I think the Ravens were just kind of bad. Lamar only had 120 yards and 16 pass attempts and nine completions with no touchdowns. I just don't think they really let Lamar do a whole lot. Um, it was just a weird game, like you said. Like It's just kind of an outlier. I mean, here's the here's the thing about the Browns that I don't know if you realize, Tony. They beat the Panthers week one. Week two, they have a historical collapse against the Jets. Then they beat the Steelers the next week. They could have genuinely been 3-0 at one point in the season. In week four, they played the Falcons, where I'm looking at the, the recap right now. If Jacoby Brissett doesn't throw an interception, granted it's third and 23, so he was kind of forced to there. 
there's reason to believe that the Falcons, I mean, that the Browns could have very easily driven the field and kicked a field goal to tie. They lost to the Chargers on a bad kick, losing in a very Browns fashion, and now they lose 23-20. to Like, this team, you can make an argument that, yes, they still lose to the Patriots and, uh, you know, and at least keep it close with the Browns or lose another one along the way, but this team could be 5-2. and two. Like, again, with much like Jacksonville, you look at them and you're like, this team could I mean, have yeah, a completely could, different record. But, but what is the record, Tom? I, I know, I'm just saying, I'm surprised that well, you think they're not very good. You're just consistently choking it away. Like, yeah, your kicker your kicker had a, just a frankly bad kick in that one game. You mean, that one was close, I'll give you that, but you still lost. You have Jacoby Brissett, who's trying to essentially arm punt on a third and 23. I don't really blame that on Jacoby, because at a certain point, you do just have to chuck it deep and kind of hope for the best. Most quarterbacks are probably going to throw a pick or at best, an incompletion on a third and 23. So the fact that you're in that position at all shows you're not particularly great. Um, I mean, a lot of- I'm not saying they're great. I'm just surprised that you don't think they're at least good considering the fact that this is, is Jacoby Brissett. better than I expected him to. But this, but this team in general I don't think is that Dramatically. Great. Like, I think that they could be 3-4. and four. At absolute tops, I'm maybe 4-3, and three, but I don't think... But that's my point, though, is that, like, why, I don't know. I think they're they're better than a 2-5 and five team. Yeah, but not by much. I digress. Yeah, maybe, maybe not by much, but a 4-3 and three is, is you know, putting you as a wild card team. What do you make of the fact that Andrews just didn't have anything to do in this game? Well, he had one catch for four yards. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's Andrews' fault. And I don't think that it's necessarily Lamar's fault either. They just didn't seem like they wanted to throw it, honestly. They sh- they should have. I don't think Lamar's a great thrower, honestly. But I think that they could have done a lot more with him throwing than what they did. Uh, they only they did get a win, in fairness. They did win, so that's great. They won by three. But if they only have Lamar throwing it 16 times over the course of the game, the Browns' defense isn't that scary in the secondary. Like You should be throwing it a little bit more than that. So the fact that Lamar had nine... Uh, completions does kind of justify Mark Andrews only having one catch himself. So I do understand that, I guess, but I don't get why they plan that way to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is interesting to me that, you know, he, you know, he was on the field for 56 of 64 snaps. He had two targets and his his yards was wow, actually only a yeah, rush. Yeah, I mean they just really didn't do anything on offense. It was just a weird game. I didn't. I just didn't really like the game. Honestly, I'm glad I had red zone so I could so I could get off of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's, so just yeah, just not of bunch. note uh, at all. I guess is what you're saying. Okay, let's move to Jets Broncos and maybe pick up the pace a little bit here as we march through these games. This one feels very puntable. Like we can just move on from this one. This one was sixteen to nine. Uh, it, it really was just a defensive battle, and Zach Wilson continues to make me wonder if the Jets have a quarterback while we know from, unfortunately, from poor Brett Ripien's first experience uh, this season that the Broncos may not have a quarterback, even though yeah, they paid $250 million kinda, for him. Like the Jets, like the Giants, the Jets look like a good football team, and I give them credit for that, and that's great. But this was just a weird game. Like, the Broncos look terrible. The Broncos didn't have their starting quarterback in. It was a defensive battle. It wasn't all that entertaining for me. I'm sure Tom liked it as a defensive game, but it, it just wasn't all that exciting. And I, I don't know. It was just kind of a weird game. I'd punt on it completely. Yeah, I mean, the the only reason I feel like it's worth talking about is now that Brees Hall was reported with an, a season-ending torn ACL and a meniscus injury. Um I do think that the Jets are going to start struggling to some extent now that they, yeah, they've true. lost he was a, a very big strong part of their, back of their offense and really starting to get into it. So that could definitely cause this team to really uh, miss a step in their next couple games. But I mean, who knows? They've surprised us this far. No, very true. You just you hate to see a rookie who is leading in their production and having a fantastic season of uh, you know his average rush was 5.8 you hate to see a rookie that good get injured so early in his career 
But yeah, I mean, you're you're totally right. The Jets are five and two, and I had no the the Jets and Browns in my mind really? would more wow. likely have their records reversed. Interesting. Okay. Than than reality. Just because just because I I did not have yeah. Joe Flacco playing no, this that's well, definitely fair. and you know before handing it off. All right, let's move to another game that we can kind of punt on. We found out that the Raiders may or may not be good again. Like, I feel like they hang in the per- the perpetual state of we don't know how good they are. They did win this yeah. one, thirty-eight to twenty. So yeah, good for absolutely. them. This was just—I have no idea though. Oh, I guess we should say congratulations to the Raiders. You won this game, but more importantly, congratulations to Josh Jacobs because you really won this game. Twenty carries, one hundred and forty-three yards, and three touchdowns on twenty carries. He was averaging 7.2 yards per carry. That is incredible to maintain that level of production for that many times over the course of a game. He really won this game for him. Derek Carr, he didn't look bad, 21-27 for 241 and a touchdown. Like, that's not a bad stat line at all. But Josh Jacobs was really the star of the show, and the Texans just kind of looked like the Texans. And Davis Mills was good, not great, which is kind of, you know, every other game he's played in his life. So, Yeah, the Raiders... The Raiders did a very good job of being balanced, and I think that the Texans, it just reminded yeah, you that their defense is pretty terrible. Like, that's that, that that's the takeaway there. Now, this, like, that felt like a very normal result. This one did not, and I think I need to just adjust to the new normal result. The Seahawks winning 37-23 to against the Chargers. The Chargers are still 4-3. and They're 2-2 two and two at home, but Seattle just, like... I got I got nothing. Geno Smith looks like you you could make a case he's an MVP candidate. Kenneth Walker the third looks phenomenal. Another great rookie running back, I believe. I, I, I believe so. he's a rookie. He's a... Yeah, he's a rookie, right? Yeah. Yeah, from Michigan State. From Michigan State, yes. Uh yeah, no, I Seattle's good. Like Seattle leads the division. Yeah, that is absolutely like, bizarre. What's uh, happening? I didn't realize that until you sent that text earlier in the group chat today, and I actually was in class and I stopped my note taking to Google it to see if that was true. Um, and sure enough, it was. That is absolutely bizarre <laughs> to me. But, I mean, the big difference in this game is if you just look at the box scores and you just compare Seahawks, Chargers, and you just look at what they did, the Seahawks were way more balanced. Geno Smith only attempted 27 passes. Kenneth Walker carried by himself 23 times. Both players did really well. But then you look at the Chargers. Justin Herbert attempted 51 passes. Austin Eckler only had nine carries. So I think that was really what it is. The Seahawks were just so much more balanced and really kind of diversified their attack. The Chargers just became too predictable, and they just need to feed it to Austin Eckler more. I think he has he has the capability of being really productive. Austin Eckler is one of those guys. He was my first overall uh, fantasy pick this year because I think he can definitely be the kind of guy that could put up numbers on the on the ground and then also as receiver, but... The Seahawks just seem like they have it figured out. They've been so balanced all year, and Geno looks amazing. Kenneth Walker now looks great. I this team is just baffling me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disagree with you on the front of Seattle did a good job of being balanced. I agree. I just think that to some extent for the Chargers, like if you're down seventeen to zero, and then. 30 to 16, 27 16 late in the fourth like you are out of options which again like it's good it's good for Seattle that they were able to to be able to be balanced and it forces the the lead that lead forces anyone to be that predictable and it's good that Seattle yeah, just that capitalized on it I guess is my point with seemingly no issue it was a, it was amazing yeah, the end, was, the end of the first quarter. That was truly something the end I of the did first quarter. Predict we both had the Chargers winning. I don't think I really, it, I don't, I didn't really think twice too hard about it for a second before I submitted the pick and texted you. I was like, "What if I did the Seahawks?" I I, 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 I agonized I almost, over this. Pick. I was thinking about it, but I was like, "Nah, that'd be crazy." And here we are talking about. It. Oh, I I had the same thought process. I was like, but the Seahawks have been so good. I have so many questions about the Chargers. I don't know if Herbert is completely healthy. His ribs may not be okay. The Seahawks have looked pretty good. But yeah. that's, even for this season, to be weird. And then I was like, Chargers it is. And then I I saw when I was like, oh my god, they're down 17-0. to What is going on? And then I checked in later because I was at a, a meeting and I saw, oh, 
Okay, it's 17 to 14. Like, the, the Chargers are going to write the ship. They're going to win this game. Nope, just kidding. The next time I checked, it was 37 yep, 16, and I just absolutely. threw up my hands and said, I hate you my job. You would have texted me that you were taking the Seahawks. I definitely would have switched, too. <laughs> Just, just, just. You know what? It, it's funny because yeah. we we yeah. made the exact same picks this this week, um, and so we 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 stayed tied. I do have the tiebreaker, um, but we stayed tied. And I almost texted you, "Fine, for the sake yeah. of being fun, I'm going to yeah, take the Seahawks." Been, I'd be mad if you, and if I you wish I did had. that. I probably would have switched over too, and then we would have been in the same problem. <laughs> But we would have lucked true. out. We would have looked a whole lot smarter for it. All right, let's get to the last four o'clock game of the weekend. That was the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely just beating up the 49ers. Like I'll tell you what, I watched Mahomes throw that interception. I was like, wow, this is kind of this is going to be a weird game. It took Mahomes three plays to throw an interception. Now, granted, I don't think it was entirely Mahomes' fault. But the 49ers went up 10-0. I was like, okay, maybe they're just going to beat the, the Chiefs. And then the Chiefs laughed at me as they proceeded to score 44 yeah, points to the 49ers. It was just weird. Going into, the, going into halftime, it was like, wow, this is a surprisingly close game. And then it just wasn't. It was not close at all in the second half. That was kind of the end of that. Um, it, 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 okay. Yeah, I mean, here, here, I want to read you this, Tony. Chiefs drive. This is, so this is starting the second half. Chiefs drive, touchdown, Chiefs drive, touchdown, Chiefs drive, touchdown, Chiefs, uh, 49er safety, Chiefs drive, touchdown. Like, they, the Chiefs punted once in the second half and found their way to the end zone on all but two yeah, of their drives, and that uh, includes a kneel they down. They really figured it out in the second half, and sometimes this is, sometimes that just happens, especially with the Niners. They're not, their defense is not as good as it has been in the past, but it's still not bad. Sometimes they'll give you problems, but, the Chiefs really just showed us, you know, yeah. we are the Chiefs. Don't you forget it. Yeah, I mean, it does help when, when the 49ers at the first play of the second half is to give you an unnecessary roughness penalty so that, that you get to start your drive at the 48. That like, that helps. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty good deal. Uh as for the 49ers, obviously McCaffrey, not a huge factor, but I think that if anyone told you he was going to go off this game, they didn't understand football because he did not learn enough of their uh, enough of their system and was really only implement, implemented into a handful of packages. He did have eight carries um, and two receptions, so he had good yardage. I just think that this is it's this is too early to make a, uh, yeah, a snap decision off of the McCaffrey trade. Yeah, and as for Jimmy G, when you throw an interception and then have Brock Purdy come in and also throw an interception, I think two two turnovers against yeah, the Chiefs and a safety is just too really much. Do at that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you give the Chiefs when you give the Chiefs points and they give them back the ball, and poor Jimmy G, he's now had two safeties this season: the, <laughs> the, the Dan Orlovsky one, one the and then this one. Yeah, that is. Well, I mean, it's yep. it's his signature brand. It's the Dan Orlovsky one. Uh, it's his. It's his. Like he may he may be off the hook for the most recent person to run out of the back of the end zone, but yeah, his still to true. me He's looks a lot worse. All right, so for our last game, Tony, I do have to make an admission. I actually watched baseball last night really? after the first baseball? half of the Steelers Dolphins game. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but I have. This I, I have started to watch postseason baseball. I watch I watch mainly because the Astros were up three games to zero on the Yankees, and I just wanted to see if the Astros would sweep the Yankees or if the Yankees could hang on. Um, unfortunately, for people who just hate cheaters, the Astros did actually end up winning and will face the Phillies. Um, but since I didn't watch the the second half, I was worried I was going to miss something. But guess what? I didn't. Yeah, well, nobody scored after halftime. The only reason I'm following it is because if the Phillies win this year, we will inevitably go into another recession. If you don't know, every time the Phillies have won the World Series, there has been a major <laughs> economic downturn. Um, so if they win, sell. Sell hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah, absolutely. But if there's going to be a going to happen, it's going to be this year. As a college student looking for uh, future employment in the next one to two <laughs> years, I like hearing that. 
but let's but let's talk about another Pennsylvania team that this this one came up short. So obviously the Steelers, you know, they're they're, they're in a full tank year, full not not tank year, but I think they are trying to begin their process of rebuilding and they're experimenting with Kenny Pickett who had three interceptions and you know, it was a the the Dolphins were able to to seal up their win essentially with a game-ending interception. Uh and I my question for you is just how much should we put stock in Kenny Pickett having a three-game interception, or is this just Miami a being a good defense? Because, yes, Kenny Pickett had three interceptions, and that's not good, for sure. But if you take away that and you kind of look past it, 32 of 44 for 257 yards and a touchdown is not a terrible stat line, especially for somebody just coming into the league. So it's kind of like the Jameis mm-hmm. Winston thing, right? Like, he's really pretty good here, but he's also pretty bad over here. So, uh, honestly, I think the interceptions are just going to come uh, with experience. This was just a learning game for him. This was only, what, his second or third start or something like that. Um, so he's, he's really new in the league. I'm not putting a ton yeah. of stock to it. If anything, I'm optimistic that he was able to go 32 of 44 in the NFL so soon. So I don't think that I'm – I'm not going to sell on him yet. I'm going to give You're him not a little selling? bit of benefit of the doubt, uh, especially with how, frankly, poor this Steelers team is around him. Mm-hmm. All right, so before we move to to the Bears-Patriots game, I do want to talk about the bye teams really quick, just because we actually we had, I believe, three division leaders on byes this week. So the Bills were one of the teams on a bye. The Eagles, of course, were a team on a bye. Uh, the Vikings were a team on a bye. And, and the Rams, who aren't a division leader, but certainly are in the mix for the NFC West, because when the yeah. division leaders form That's three, true. everyone's still in the mix for the division. Um, which four of those teams are you most excited to see back in action? So just as a, the Vikings take on the Cardinals, the Steelers take on the Eagles, the Rams play the 49ers in a crucial division game, and then the Bills play the Packers in prime time. Are you ready to see your Packers get slaughtered? And with this, the way this season's going in the NFL, I have no idea what's going to happen. We could get run over, we could run them over, and I wouldn't be surprised at either one, honestly. Yeah, did you did you anticipate that the Bills would uh, uh, would be honestly, ten and a half point yeah, favorites? At this point, it sounds about right. Just because everybody sounds knows right. they can't score, uh, uh, Rodgers can put the ball there. Like I don't I don't necessarily blame Rodgers um, for this really huge failure of the Packers organization. He's not quite been as crisp as he was in the past couple years, sure. Uh, but a lot of it's just really coming down to he has nobody to throw it to. He's got no chemistry with anybody. Lazard's the only guy that he really has. Cobb, too. They've both been hurt. Lazard came into the facility in a sling today on his left arm, I think it was. So, like, the people that he does have a little bit of chemistry mm-hmm. with and a little bit of rapport with, they're not there. So even the guys that we have, they're out, and we're going with people that he's never really thrown to all that consistently, just now starting to kind of build up chemistry with and figure out how everybody likes to play with each other. So they're... It's not entirely Rodgers' fault, mostly not his fault, but no matter whose fault it is, unless we go into free agency and get some wide receivers, it's not going to change. Yeah. The the team I'm most excited to see, and it's not just because I drafted Jalen Hurts and then was bullied for drafting Jalen Hurts and then was proven right by Jalen Hurts for drafting him, uh, is the Eagles. Because I'm I'm honestly curious to see if they can keep up the, the, the win Absolutely. streak. Absolutely. The Eagles are a I'd team love to see them really get to excited seven about. We've both been pretty big Jalen Hurts fans for a little bit now and I I think it is it is due. It is Absolutely. due for Jalen Hurts to be looking this good. It is due for the Eagles to be looking this good. They've been a team that's been pretty close for the past year or two now and they're really starting to pop off. And as our commenter says, Philly rules PA. Absolutely. When they when the way yep. when they play the Steelers, they're gonna win the entire state. All right, so let's go to predictions for tonight. What do we have the score being? Who do we have? Do we have anyone beating the spread or covering the spread? The Patriots are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. I have – oh, Lance likes the Steelers. That's very unfortunate. My apologies, <laughs> Lance. I have bad news for you, my friend. Um, so uh, the Patriots are eight-and-a-half-point uh, eight favorites. I personally I have the well. Patriots uh, beating the spread seems here. pretty generous towards – uh, the Bears, I don't think they're going to do much of anything. I think it's going to be one of those games where, as we're watching it, it's going to be like, it's going to be one of those games where it's like 44 to nothing. 
Like, it's going to be one of those games where the Bears score it all, and honestly, the Patriots are probably just going to run them over. Yeah, I have Bill Belichick absolutely tamp- tap dancing around a young Justin Fields, and I it might just be because I have the Patriots' defense and fantasy and need them to perform well to win this game, but I think that the Patriots' agree, defense is going to do. absolutely be Justin to the Bears Fields alive. <laughs> Yeah, no, you really can't be. That would be that would be very unfortunate. All right, well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back probably Friday, maybe next week. Uh, so if you haven't, give us a follow.